Hello and welcome to Apocalypse Arcade Zone, a podcast all about people's lives in gaming and the apocalypse. My name is Elliot Wengler, and in this week's episode, I've got Catherine Mather on the show. Each week, I get a guest on, they tell me about how they would cope with the world the world coming to an end, and then we talk about the games that made up their life, that have somehow mystically appeared in a bunker they've escaped to at the end of the, at the, end of the apocalypse. This week's guest is Catherine Mather, who is a comedian, podcaster and writer, and she's absolutely amazing and so funny, and if you have a chance to go and see her live at any, if any of the comedy clubs near you are listing her on their billing anytime soon, go and see her. It will be a great night out just for the time she's on, and all the others as well, of course. That's it for the introduction this week, but just to say that you can find Catherine's social media information in the pod in the podcast description, and if you're really enjoying the show, please click like, and please click subscribe, and please follow, and all those things, and please continue to listen to Apocalypse Arcade Zone wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate your time and love and support, so I'll no further ado, enjoy the show. <laughs> My guest on this week's episode is the legend, the comedian, the fun, the, the, one of the funniest women I've ever met in entire life. Uh, she, I, an NHS worker, uh, a writer, a performer, a Twitterer, a podcaster. It's Catherine Mather. Oh, Whoa. stop it, Elliot you, Wengler. You've done loads of stuff. It's great. Uh, I have done lots of things, unfortunately, uh, through the need of uh, m- money and uh, my love of having a roof over my head and food in my belly. <laughs> That's so selfish of you to love having a roof over your head. Honestly, these days, what are you like? I'm such a dick. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm one of those millennials that just wants everything. You know, I'm very entitled. Um, how did you start in Comedy Cat? So I uh, was um, a bit of a uh, loser as a teenager. Uh, I don't know if that comes across in uh, (laughs) everything I do. Uh, But I used to really like comedy, but I was too young to go and watch it. So I was on uh, YouTube just watching any kind of comedy I could get my hands on. Uh, When I was old enough, I used to start watching shows and stuff. My dad would take me there. And then I got involved in, um, you know, go and watch local open micy type things when I was probably not old enough to be there um, <laughs> some of which I've now been able to perform at which is a beautiful full circle moment um, and then I would start I started uh, working in tech uh, theatre tech so that I could watch comedy for free uh, and sort of came to knew a lot of know a lot of people on the northern scene through that and then I moved to London and uh, didn't really know anybody here and mm-hmm. I just thought this would be a good time to start it and then out of nowhere since on my facebook uh thing there was a just a, a post which was like get started in comedy course it's one day and i went it was with we are funny project oh yeah yeah I believe still run gigs um, <laughs> and they um basically it was that I needed. It was not advanced. It was here is how to hold a microphone. Have a go at standing on a stage talking to a room of people. Uh, here are some writing prompts. We'll see you in a month. We've booked you for a gig. Um, and then I went and did that gig, and it wasn't as shit as I thought I was gonna be. <laughs> I so like in my mind, I absolutely fucking smashed it. You know, I was crowd surfing. It was great. I got it recorded. And only very recently, in the past sort of six months, watched that recording, and fucking hell, it was awful. <laughs> um, but it, it was enough to keep me going, and I just kept going and doing it and doing bits, and then people were like, we'll pay you for it, and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I like that. Uh, and it just kind of snowballed from there, really. 
quite a long answer. But, not, um, at all, not at all. It's a great answer. Lots of everyone's got a different way of starting. Like, I, I, I have to say, I really relate to what you said about going to see gigs when you weren't really meant to as a like a young mm-hmm. when you're younger because I I was the same I I think I started by seeing it on TV and seeing I think literally my thought process was I was watching Mock the Week and mm-hmm. was like oh how do you get that job and yeah. so I went and started watching every every comedian I'd heard of who came to tour near me and to, to tour near me I went to go and see and stuff like that back when good ship comedy club was actually in kilburn in yes. the, top, the top end of kilburn um i would like nerdly go and watch because i couldn't go to edinburgh festival when i was like 17 18 but i could go and watch pre i could go and watch people taking their edinburgh shows up to like i went and see went and watched previews there just yeah. because it was what i could do instead and it was just really exciting and i loved it and i loved it. i went to, like as soon as i was 18 i started going to the comedy store and things like that it was but and then you actually just get on stage it's the best I yeah. also what I really enjoy about your act is that you're just a so authentic, and Aww. b so wild. Like reading out the you're reading out the pretend magazine and reading <laughs> like it feels like so like 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 because you're so authentic for the first time. Then you come out with stuff like that and we go, oh, this must be in the mag. Wait, is it? Is it not? I don't know. <laughs> like you you blur the lines. It's really fun to watch. Oh, thank you. Are well, you talking about the Good Ship? I it's my first day in London. I worked on the door at the Good Ship because um, I moved to Kilburn when I first moved down here, and me and my sister had come down for you know just like to pick up the keys for the place, and you know we sort of came and had a couple of days sort of holiday really I guess before I moved down, and um, I we were just walking down Kilburn High Road and I saw that they had comedy there, so I sent them an email and I was like. Do you, can I work it? Is there any way that I can work this? Because there's no way that I could have afforded uh, to go every week. Or what. I mean, it's only it was only cheap. It was like five, six pounds, something like that. It yeah, wasn't yeah. an insane sum of money. But when you're a student and you already like your your loan does not cover your rent, let alone food, it's a lot of money. Yeah. So I was like, well, can I work it? And they're like, yeah, actually, we are looking for someone to work on the door. So I worked on the door of the good ship for I think maybe about the first year that I was in London something like that uh so i could sell the tickets and then watch the comedy um but what a great way to what a great way to like integrate yourself and just see loads of great loads Mm. of great comedy and stuff and that was a proper that was one of like the lots of the last proper clubs before things i don't i think it's only starting to come back now with things like west end club and stuff but like it's yeah it felt like something from a from a from from an era i don't know (laughs) Yeah, I think those are the best ones to go and watch though if you're starting out because they are, so it was a Monday night, I think he's got it on a Thursday now in uh, Islington, but it was on a Monday night so it's not like people doing their, you know, it's, it's not like going to the comedy store on a Saturday or going to Soho Theatre and watching someone's hour show because they're polished. The Monday night ones are good to watch if you're new because you're like, these are good acts trying out new stuff. And then you're like, oh, they're not always just coming out that <laughs> perfect. Like, they do also have to go through this process. But they're better at it than me because they've been doing it for longer. How have they done that? What are they doing? You know, and it was good as well because I think, I mean, I can't remember James Aircaster's shows. He brought out like three which had fairly similar names, didn't he? So I cannot remember the name. But yeah. one of those, I remember watching him workshop it through the good ship and I was working at other 
uh, clubs as well because uh, money was tight and um, I liked comedy so I've worked at quite a lot of um, comedy nights but yeah I managed to watch that one of those shows be sort of written kind of um, just through working those nights which was great it's, it's really good to watch um, something else I want to ask you about before we go any further is you've built yes. a TARDIS Yes, yes. What, I what was like? I remember sort of maybe seeing your social media posts towards the end of your project, and then you were like, "I've done it," and I was kind of like, "What was she? What, how did she? What, <laughs> what? Why did you build the TARDIS? And what was that about? And where is it now?" Um, <laughs> I moved. So uh, moving to London was uh, not for comedy, although comedy is the best thing that's come out of my move to London. It was. Um, I studied uh, scenic construction, so it's like building sets and things. Oh uh, right, for, I see theatres um, and I, I didn't enjoy it very much I didn't enjoy the content of the course I enjoyed making things though um, it was just well we won't go into that because I'll be on on about them forever um, but <laughs> it was not a good university experience however the last thing that we had to do we had sort of like a showcase um, so it was you built shit uh, well the idea was that it was stuff that you had um, built throughout your time uh, or made, created throughout your time at university and you would put it on show and all of these people would come and give you jobs um, in the industry um, and uh, unfortunately the university wouldn't let me put the pieces that I had stored on show for various bullshit reasons um, and I had to build something so I was like, I'm going to build a TARDIS then like, <laughs> why would I not? <laughs> um, so I, obviously I couldn't build a full size one because that would be massive uh, so I just literally went onto Google and searched TARDIS dimensions and it's like one of the first things that comes up just did all my technical drawings uh, built a TARDIS uh, it, like <laughs> I, I built it all out of like um, just cut off cuts and stuff as well so oh, so probably from scraps and like what you could yeah. anything you could find basically yeah and the it, for the purposes of the project I was like yeah it's just about recycling uh, but it wasn't it was that I didn't have any money to buy that quantity of material yeah sure <laughs> um, and yeah I just spent about three months building this little TARDIS it was beautiful it was I was so proud of it but I also knew that I was going to have to take it home on the tube like, <laughs> because the plan was that you would have to, you know, you try and sell these things. Uh, and obviously, like, who the fuck wants to buy... Like, it, it's a niche item, isn't it? Uh, a half-sized TARDIS. So I built it, it knowing that I was going to have to take it home on the tube. I managed to get it home on the tube as well. <laughs> so I built it in such a way that I could pack it down into smaller pieces. Uh, and then luckily, somebody on my course had decided, like, knew somebody who was like, yeah, I want a half-sized TARDIS. So I sold it. Yeah, roughly. who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a dog's bed now or something. Which oh, that's cool. nice. Yeah, so he, he bought it from me uh, for way less money than I could have got for it. But at the time, I was living on a first-floor uh, flat in Wilston Green, uh, so I couldn't really um, move that. I was moving house every year because I was, you know at uni so so which i'm gutted that i didn't keep it i would have loved to have kept it but i needed yeah, but imagine every house imagine every house move and you're having to move something the, the tardis every time and you've caught yeah. that it's probably also the one version of the tardis that's bigger on the outside than the inside mm. oh my god yeah at the time i remember i'd done it was bbc new comedian and uh competition and done fine in it like i'd done 
I mean, I didn't progress, but I, I did quite well in it. And a, a, an agent um, asked me to do a meeting with her, and I was so excited. And she was like, "How?" So it was like five minutes that you had to do for the radio. And she was like, "How much material have you got?" And I was like, ten minutes." And she just sort of looks at me like, "Okay, you're not doing as well as I thought you were." <laughs> talk, <laughs> which is fair. Uh, but she did say to me, "Is there anything that you're doing at the minute that you could use to make content that might be kind of interesting and different?" And I was like, "Well, I'm building a TARDIS." And she's like, "Well." yeah (laughs) no one else is doing it so i started i made um, a 10-part series which is still on my website katherinemather.com on how to make a tardis but they were kind of funny ones because they're absolutely useless they don't give you any instruction at all in how to build a tardis but you would not believe the amount of people that as i was putting these out every week would be like you should actually build a tardis though and i'm like where the fuck do you think i'm getting all of these pieces of tardis from (laughs) Like, Been I'm there, building, done that. Yeah, I am building a TARDIS. Like, yeah, but you should really do it. Like, I, it's here. What more proof <laughs> do you need? Like, I did it. Video <laughs> people... evidence of it being constructed not being enough for them. Yeah, people just couldn't understand that I was, um, I was doing it. For, you know, I was doing it, and did it. <laughs> um, your other podcast. Let's say other. Sorry, your podcast mm-hmm. is a zero hours podcast. Yeah, and I you talk to people two. about their earliest jobs. Yeah, I have two podcasts. Sorry, um, I knew you had two. Yeah, I got it wrong, so sorry. It's Zero Hours is the one that I did on my own, and it's kind of on, uh, is it hiatus? Is that the word? Uh, she will be coming back soon, but at the moment, I am tired and busy. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> releasing it once a week, uh, which was quite a lot. Uh, I'd interview comedians about the best and worst jobs that they'd done. I did that for four years without a break. I think I deserve a bit of yeah, a break. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I had a lot of travelling last year and just haven't picked it up yet. Um, and then me and my good friend Aidan McCaffrey uh, have started one recently uh, called Historical Hot or Not. Um, and that one, we're actually taking that to Edinburgh Festival, which is cool, uh, just for one night, well, one afternoon only. So we're there on the 22nd of August at half past 12. And it's uh, that is, we talk about uh, history's most celebrated figures and whether we would fuck them or not. Um, very highbrow. <laughs> but we've got condoms printed with our logo on it. It's going quite well. Uh, if you want a condom, uh, drop us a message on our socials. If you want a condom with a podcast logo on it about history hot or not, drop it to, uh, at, Kath, at Kath, Kath Math Comedy on Twitter. Yes. And find uh, and she'll send you a personal a personalized mm-hmm. <laughs> podcast <Johnny>. podcast condom <laughs> Catherine the thing that's happened is that the world has ended oh shit how do you think the world's going to end um it's nearly ended so many times I know that's kind of why I've like I've been saying to some of the others why I thought it'd be an interesting setup for it all because Mm. we kind of all went through a a version of it a couple of years ago and we're all going through a slow version of it with the weather we all kind of experienced it and all kind of reacted in different ways some people downloaded Duolingo others of us did nothing and it was kind of some people went and actually fought and saved people's lives in hospitals what what how, mm. how, how what which, which what version what end of the world do you foresee us actually having to go through i mean it's going to be global warming isn't it yeah if being honest everything's going to be too hot and too cold at the same time and we're all going to drown uh slash bake and then the people who are left i mean will just be living in uh swamps slash baked out 
<laughs> and how will you react to that? Poorly. I think I would die in the first wave. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's I'm a not shame. cut out for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got some. Well, well, the well, the great news is that you actually you made it through, and oh, you have go, have gone somewhere. Um, oh, you've no. got, where, where have you run to in this end of the world scenario? Where have you? What what would be? Where, where is the place you're gonna like try and get to when the world ends? God, I mean, I honestly, I think I'd lie down and die. Okay. Uh, so it's very uncharacteristic of me to try and escape it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but... Well, you know what? You could lie down and die in your own flat, and that's nice. And mm. if you're, but 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 what what's happened is is that as you've like sort of woke, as you've lied down to thinking that this is it, you're gonna die in your flat. Uh, and not going to bother trying to get to high ground or anything. You've you're in your flat and um, you found yourself surrounded by all of the video, but by, by a series of arcade cabinets containing mm. the video games that were a big part of your life. Oh, um, awesome! Uh, do you play much? In the, do you play video games a lot? Kind of. So the thing is, I, I was actually having this discussion with my boyfriend the other day. I would say that I am not really a gamer, but then he argued that I am a gamer. So my uh, argument against is that I find about three or four games that I like and I play them to death. Uh, his argument is you don't need to have uh, played a lot of games to be a gamer. And my God, I have put the hours in. So yes, I guess I am a gamer. I'm kind of the same. I'm kind of I'm kind of in that I don't play enough. I I I kind of go deep and narrow rather than wide and. Mm. But everyone does it in different ways, and I think that's what's quite fun about all this. Did you yeah. did you have did you, did you what was your cons what was your game console history growing up or did you did you have any did you not have any do you did... I did yes I had a um, I began as most people of our generation did with a PS one. Uh, it got the chip in it, which meant that you could play copied games, um, which is almost exclusively what I was playing. Uh, <laughs> there was a man down the road <laughs> who could do them for me. Then I was on what we jokingly would call the P- uh, the uh, Xbox One because of the Xbox original, and then they brought out the Xbox One, and I was like, no, oh, well, <laughs> that joke's gone, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, and then the Xbox 360 is as far as I've got. I've got that here next to me on my desk right now. Uh, and then also is on PC. What's the first video game you remember playing, Catherine? So it will have been either Spyro the Dragon um, or A Bug's Life. I think I got them both at about the same time on PlayStation 1. Um, and I liked Spyro because he was a purple dragon. It's a good sell for ch- it's a good sell for children. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> like, he, here is a dragon. Live? He is purple. Help him mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then a bug's life was. I mean, it was a big film at the time. Yeah. Uh, but because it was like one of those test. Oh, so it was on like um, a disc that was. A, uh, you know, you just get the. Um, the beginning of the game. Oh, so like a, de- a demo disc of a, de- a yes. demo disc, like for even, mm-hmm. like you got with magazines and stuff. Yeah, so I think I got Metal Gear Solid on there as well, which I didn't really like because it was just a man crawling around, and I'm like, but dragons, <laughs> why, why do I want this man crawling around under a cardboard box? Like that's bullshit. So yeah, I never actually managed to finish any of the games because they were all demos. <laughs> oh right. Uh, well, you, but you did you finish the demo? Because that's sort of I finishing so. it, isn't it? Yeah, in a of way. sorts. <laughs> so Spyro and a Bug's Life are how you started. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were only mainly starting by just doing the demos. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember I remember going through it because I didn't have a PS4. I didn't have a PlayStation. I, I my my friend Toby had a had PlayStation One and the demos, and we would just mm. play the 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 Rayman. There was a demo yes. of like a Rayman racing game that mm-hmm. we would just play to death, and we would just play that one level racing each other <laughs> over and over again. Yes, that was me, essentially. Uh, Rayman, that was a good one, and uh, Crash Bandicoot as well. They were my, my faves. See, I was on the Nintendo side, so all of these guys yeah. are like my enemies, but they're yeah. also, but I understand the affection people have. Do you, what, do you, what's your favourite story or campaign you've ever played in, in a game? So, Skyrim was... That's my big game. Yeah. I love Skyrim. Big game. Yeah, that's the one that I always default back to, you know? And I think I quite like the one where you go and get the shouts. I don't know if you've played Skyrim or not. I played um, some. I played some of it. I've never. I didn't get that into it, sadly. But I have never played enough to know the deal. I quite like the one where you go and get the shouts from the dragons. Uh, you got to go up a big mountain and meet some wizards and fight dragons and shit and get their voice, and then you can do the the cool shouts. Uh, I like that. Although to be fair, I always go for the sort of sandbox side of it rather than storyline slash campaign um i do quite like doing my own thing i'm the same with um <coughs> tears of the kingdom at the minute because i keep meaning mm-hmm. to do the story but then i'm just i've just found a cave that i've been in for like two days now i'm just exploring <laughs> every single al- element of because i don't have to go back there later yeah but it's just it's, it's something about go it's a bit like a grand theft auto i didn't yes. really bother with like once the world was open to me the story was I didn't but like until the game physically made me go and do the story yeah. I just wanted to go and do my own thing well that's a beautiful part of it isn't it you can just do whatever you want like that's that's what they've made it for so why would you not go and do that Catherine Mother did you spend much time in the arcades I used to work in an arcade which oh, hello. is why <laughs> why I uh, kept away from them because if I have to hear that two-piece slots fucking jingle one more time, I will kill myself. <laughs> did you? So, uh, did you? Did so? What arcade did you work in? And what was it? What was the? What, what, what did you? What did you have to clean the machines? Like after the machines? Do the no. anything like that? What were you? What was your? You're you're the first uh, arcade <laughs> insider we've had on the show. It turns oh. out. Well, <laughs> to be fair, it was kind of like so. Where I grew up, there was a big lake, which is sort of the equivalent of the seaside. Sure. Uh, when you're an hour inland. Um, and uh, it had like so there's a little sort of ice cream shop slash cafe next door uh, which I worked in and then there was the arcade next to that, it was like one big building right? with, you know, you get your two piece slots, you got your grabber machines, you, you know you get all of those things, so not too many of the arcade arcade games that you, you know, think okay. of like in American movies unfortunately the gambling for children um, side of it was more prominent than the, yes. than the, yeah. than the here is a fun <laughs> game to play <laughs> exactly, I mean I think there were a few of those in there, I could not tell you what they were because they were very well hidden and we, we sort of didn't go in there too often because we were the cafe girls where I grew up you either worked at the chip shop or the arcade, my sister worked at the chip shop I worked at the arcade <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, yeah I I, I didn't, so I have spent time in arcades, but through work. I guess my arcade game, so I bought a little Game Boy Colour uh, when I moved to London, so as an adult, 
in order to play this game and I am I mean now I'm out of practice but I, I am very fucking good at this game and that is Tetris yes I think that is my game of choice it's um, a hell of a game to play in front of other people as well yeah because it's when you when you play it by yourself it's lovely and mm-hmm. it's sedate and then it gets stressful and then it's over because eventually you lose but mm-hmm. when you play in front of other people people like depending on how well it's going they just kind of can't believe how how long <laughs> yes. you can make people can make it last i find mm-hmm. anyone else who doesn't play it a lot i was just seeing it as a thing doesn't understand how like the, the sheer amount of intricacy there is in tetris mm. like now i don't i rarely lose a game i just get bored because i've been doing it for so long <laughs> on the um, switch there's um there's a free game called tetris 99 which is mm-hmm. tetris against 99 other players <gasps> at once and it is the most intense I've, I've i've come second so many times i have oh. yet to win it it is yeah. the most intense like version yeah. of tetris and it's so it, like towards the end you, you have just got loads of players still slamming like blocks at you that you can't destroy and you, yeah. it, it's an incredible experience still mm, I would love that I um, I earn money from playing Tetris you earn money playing Tetris yeah for a little while <laughs> go on uh, you can't leave on... that hanging <laughs> <laughs> on online uh, you know games and shit. it's only like 20-30 quid here and there but if, when you're on um job seekers that's only 50 quid a week in it so uh yeah there's there's decent money holding it against what i was on <laughs> um, like uh, in terms of per hours per your mm. hours as far as the minimum wage goes <laughs> oh i mean i was putting too many hours into this oh, okay. to get to to get that match fit uh i was honestly i was scoring like a million right that's quite a bit yeah that's really high <laughs> Uh, but also, if I knew that if I entered a competition, I would win it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so I just enter these online competitions and and like know that that money was mine. <laughs> just casually, just be, that was just you signing on for your working hours for the day to get. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, I didn't do it. For, this sounds like I was doing it. You know. I was like the fucking Queen's Gambit. I, I wasn't, you know. Like. <laughs> like you're sat there and you're and you've got friends calling you, being like, "You've got to move it. To, you'll use the L blocks the most. You've got to stick to the left hand manoeuvres." And you're yeah. just like, "No, I'm just gonna survive." Yeah, I was just a teenager in my bedroom, uh, waiting to get another job, playing Tetris literally eight hours a day, <laughs> and then having the Tetris. Have you ever had the Tetris dreams? Oh yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. It's yeah. one. It's a wonderful. It's a. It's a. It's a, it's a wonderful game, and it's yeah. It's, At that point, you're like, I need to stop. You do. You. I need to. Like, I. I will find that I'll play it for like weeks on end, and then I will just stop and not play it again for like a year, and then come back, mm. and then just be addicted again. It's a mad game. It is. It's what I do of an evening. It's my phone game. You know, if ever I'm waiting for anything. You see, I've yet to find a version of it on my phone that I enjoy playing. Cause I just don't really enjoy playing it with a touch screen for some reason. Mm. I find yes. that like touching the Tetris board feels weird. Yeah. Um, they, so they, did a, one... they did a phone Mario Kart, and doing that mm-hmm. by touching just feels weird again. It's just one. Yeah. It's not because because all it is is blocks moving down and you organising them. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it, I don't understand why I haven't yet to find a phone version I like. Yeah, I always found the the touching the board difficult, but this one's got like 
but you know the buttons that you can press sure so uh, yeah i quite like that one but i do feel like i've got clumsier on the phone versions i um unfortunately my my game boy um was quite old and not well yeah. looked after when i got it so i i can't uh, I, I need to repurchase that game boys uh, are not forever no sadly. they are not but um and it also made a really high-pitched whistle which everybody on the tube hated me for <laughs> so I turned it on <laughs> Would this girl backlit. get off her defective Game Boy Color for fuck's sakes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catherine Mather, what is the best multiplayer game? Uh, see, this is a question I dreaded because I never really did multiplayer. Um, I we guess... can skip it if you like. But <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I like a racing game. Um, I do like car racing. Uh, I, I haven't done it in a long time, so um, I'm shit at it. Uh, <laughs> probably now. I like those. And I also like, uh, you know, Red Faction? I don't know if you've ever played that. Is that one of the strategy ones? Um, it no. is. Basically, you get a, a magic hammer that can knock down buildings, and you've got to knock down as many buildings as you can do in, like, five minutes. And then whoever knocks down the most shit wins. That sounds uh, great. Yeah, it is great. I fucking love that one. What is the game that you've spent the most time? This is sort of a, there's this is, question six is sort of a um, has two sides of the coin to it. Mm. What game have you spent the most time on and you're proud of it? Uh, honestly, I think that has to be Tetris. Yeah, fair enough. Because I was impressive. <laughs> I was impressive. You weren't there, man. Yeah, I was. I was good. I, I wasn't just. I was really fucking good at that game. Uh, and I'm not now, and it makes me sad, but also I have a life to live now, yeah. and I'm not just in training all day, every day. In tra- so. I love the idea of you being in training and playing Tetris, yeah. like you've got a coach next to you and you're wearing like a sweatband on your head, <laughs> and, you're, and like you've got like a, a board, or you've got like... You got like whiteboards around you of like exactly which combinations to put to, to put the blocks in together to get the best most efficient organization. Yeah, man, strategy. Because the other side of the coin is what, what the other kind of side of this question is: uh, what game have you spent the most time on, and you're ashamed of it? it has to be The Sims Two. The Sims Two. Talk to me about yeah. The Sims Two. Ah, uh, so that was my uh, teenage game of choice. The one that you know, the game that your mum was like, "Get off that game." Um, that was that game. Uh, and I fucking loved The Sims 2. I still do. It, it's why I've not got it on my computer, because that is all I would be doing. I cannot have it near me, unfortunately. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a fucking waste of time, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's not like, you know, Skyrim, the scenery's beautiful. It's got storylines to it. It's got shit that you can do. Tetris was earning me money. And <laughs> that's how they advertise but, it to kids around the world play yeah. tetris it'll earn your money <laughs> yeah or like but, tetris it's kind of like it, it's calming isn't it because you're just there's a puzzle solving skill in tetris that you can kind yeah. of take to other puzzle solving based activities in life to an yeah. extent you could argue that but the sims 2 yeah you're literally not... just waiting for your sims to get home from work <laughs> yeah. It's a bit like at least an animal, at least an Animal Crossing. You're actively doing stuff rather than watching it happen. Yeah. Like in the Sims, because my sister had the Sims and she had the, the first one and had loads of like every expansion pack going. 
Mm-hmm. And she would make things, and I would go on and play sometimes and make things. I, I would make things and complete objectives, but she would just make things to make them look pretty. Mm-hmm. But I would go on and like try and complete objectives. She's like, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, you need to, you're doing it wrong. But, but it's, I, I feel <laughs> like with The Sims, no matter what way you're playing it, you always feel like you're doing it wrong. Yes. Even though it's kind of meant to be an endless, just chill out and have a laugh, have a watch your watch your lads do this stuff. But it mm. kind of no matter what you do, feels like the wrong way to do it. Yes, I agree. You know, I, I guess there are things that you can do with uh, regard to like jobs and stuff, but you know, career paths and everything. But then you just—I mean, I—I I was so immersed in the cheats that it was oh, all yeah, kind definitely. of meaningless. And then as well, I think by the time they got to Sims 3 and stuff, it was just too big for your computer. And I can't, like, oh, certainly any computer that I had. So it, it, it just crashed and was shit and the loading times took too long. Uh, whereas I feel like, and then the Sims 1 was just a bit, like, there wasn't as much to do on it, so it was a bit dull. So I feel like the Sims 2 was the good middle ground of the Sims because it had got, you know, like, they'd introduced, they weren't just like, baby adult dead it was like you know they had sort of um baby toddler teenager uh, child teenager adult old person dead mm-hmm. so you had more of a life cycle which uh, i liked um and you know yeah it was just a bit more interesting um yeah but absolute waste of time <laughs> completely wasting just watching made up characters live a life that you can't have. And the other, the other thing about The Sims also is that it's not one... I think it's well remembered for being what it was and being clever. But mm. it's not one that's, like, continued and is loved today. I don't think yeah. I don't think people, like, are playing the latest one with the same level of... with, with any level of enthusiasm that the early ones had. Because the early ones are just quirky and different enough. But mm. now they're just they're seen as a kind of an oddity of the fact that they are just a way of doing nothing but you don't games now feel have to have some level of doing something to them yeah and i guess there's like there's not many places that you can really go with it is there so you know of course they've got the expansion pack so you could have pets and things like that which is cool or like you know they'd have different outfits and stuff that you could put on them but there's not because of the lack of gameplay really Mm. there's nowhere else that you can go with it yeah like it is just made up you know little avatars uh walking around and dying in swimming pools when you take the uh, (laughs) the the stairs away (laughs) it was it was a real testament to see which ones which which sims you just took took the ladder away from Mm -hmm. mm-hmm just let them pass they died how they lived, in swimming pools without ladders on them. <laughs> Imagine how freaky that is from their point of view. So mm. like get in the pool and be so sure there was a ladder to get out. Yeah. And then suddenly the ladder's been taken away, like in a lemon Stephen King horror film, where yeah. it's just that the door the door they went into the room from has been just taken away or whatever. Oh my god, yeah. That'd be awful. But then also, surely you would think at some point you'd be like, I'm just gonna climb out i'm just gonna pull i can i can i i can literally put my hands on the when i was a kid i went to swimming pools i rarely went to the ladder i would pull myself up on the side because that felt more fun Mm. what's wrong with these sims they deserve to die 
Exactly. The second that I had any kind of arm strength, I was not using the, the ladders. Catherine Mather, what is the objectively the best video game of all time? Um, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Skyrim for this one. Okay. This is my choice, um, because I'll bum rim as I uh, jokingly call it to myself and go <laughs> as I'm uh, waiting for the loading screen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my name on that is Catherine. Thank you very much. I'm here all week. I like it's beautiful. I've heard that they've brought out a VR version, which I can never play because it'll be like Ready Player One. That'll just be my life. Um, but have you ever had a go on VR? Yeah, I got a VR in lockdown oh. as a. Um, I got like it was like 150 quid for like the PlayStation VR and then like six okay. games bundled in because I think they were just trying to get rid of them at that point. The thing with the VR is that some of them, some of the games on it are phenomenal, and I think mm. especially with the new generation of VRs that are coming out, but there's still just not quite enough on it to justify yeah. spending. I think the new one for the the PlayStation one for the new one is 500 quid. Yeah, that is quite a lot. Then that's before you even put a, got a game. And yeah, I'm sure that it's true. like amazing to play, but I don't know if I'd get enough out of it. But you know, good good on people. Yeah. Who, if you're enjoying it, good for you. But yeah, Skyrim is the best video game of all time. You couldn't get the VR version. You can't. You couldn't get the VR version because you would just get lost in it forever. Yeah, exactly. Like I had a go. I've only ever had a go at VR once, and it was it was years and years ago. It was the housemate of an ex was working on it. Uh, and he was like, oh, do you, you know, just, just want to have a go. And it was like, at a time that it wasn't, you, you know, people weren't really doing it. And I, and it, it was literally just like, I put them on and it was like being, you know, that um, underwater screensaver. Yeah. Uh, there was that. And then there was, uh, it was a game and I was just firing arrows at stick people. Like, it was very rudimentary. And I just, I had the best time. And then I took these goggles off and the world just looked grey. And I was like, <laughs> I can never do this again because I love it so much. I want that to be my life. If you were to get Sky, the Skyrim VR, we would lose you forever. Yeah, yeah, I would be gone. I just, I can't, yeah, I can't have that access to that. I've got quite, I think I've got, if I like something, I really like it, you know? Um, but I just... I think my favourite thing about Skyrim, it, it's just, it's beautiful. You know, the, the sunsets and the moons and the, you know, the mornings and stuff. It's just, it's it, it looks nice. And it's got an element of the Sims to it in some regard in that, you know, you can build a house, you can do your house up, you can have, you know, you can adopt kids and get married in it and stuff if, if you want to. Um, you, you can kind of build your own mythology into it as well. yeah. I think that's it, it's cool um, but also then there's dragons and shit which I like Spyros <laughs> Spyro uh, grew up and became horrible you have to go kill him now in Skyrim <laughs> yeah and then steal his voice steal um, his voice steal the dragon shouts the mountain shouts I, I've never yes. played that far um, <laughs> uh, Skyrim is the best game of all time what is the worst game you've ever played the worst game this is going to be really controversial okay um Ocarina of but, Time, here we go. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I went through a period of enjoying uh, anime and manga. Sure. Uh, I still have quite a lot of the uh, the books, but it is quite expensive hobby, which is why I kind of stopped. I also got all of, a lot of the comic books 
um, which is why it pisses me off that you everything is Marvel now. Like I would have loved that as a teenager, but I kind of just grew out of it because I was doing it, you know, for so long. And it's really it's an expensive hobby, but that's not the question. I so I went through this period of liking that. So I was like, well, I'm gonna try the uh, the Final Fantasy games because oh, yeah. they look cool, don't they, on the the, the front of the the you know the the artwork and stuff brilliant uh, yeah I want to play that and then I'll put them in and you can't change the camera angle which <laughs> is shit I just I hate that so much and it's so you know like how I like the sandbox element of something yeah it's so rigid in this is what you are doing and I hate that like I'm like but I want to go over there and look at that and <laughs> no no yeah you, you can't even look at that you can't even turn the camera to look at that um i just yeah i was so underwhelmed by them i really tried but um i completely yeah, agree the final fantasy being so underwhelming yeah. and i'm sure that like because my friend was shown i i i guess i guess i have an image of them being these spritey turn-based things that are really i'm sure once you know how to pull it off in a really interesting way it's exciting to pull off but mm. it just seems so hard to get to that level of interest but also mm-hmm. then they've changed it to now be like this live action generic action adventure game and so it's lost its original yeah its original idea and they're all there's just like aren't there like 20 games that are all called final fantasy 7 Really, it's, <laughs> it's like twenty. There's like twenty versions of that game now, and it's because oh it's so God. beloved. But also, I don't, you know. Yeah. Which is, is is there a particular Final Fantasy that you're aiming your 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 you're aiming your mire at, as it were? I was trying to look for it, but I just because the the cover it was a white cover. Oh, that could a, be any of them. <laughs> exactly, yeah, with a person on it holding a insanely big sword. So that again, literally any of them they could have been but it was it was on the xbox 360 so i don't know maybe your okay. listeners can narrow that down for us uh as to what it might have been what is, uh, i feel like we've already answered this of what you say the objectively best game is but your per- personally your favorite game are we saying skyrim uh, or got something else god i think probably <laughs> tetris <laughs> tetris this is a tetris heavy yeah, podcast <laughs> it is because it stood the test of time. I yeah. still play it most days now. Um, I can't... Yeah, I'll, like, just at the end of the day, it, I just sit in bed and play it and then go to sleep. So I was like, you know, or, or like if I'm waiting for the train, or just any time that I have a, a little bit of free time, I'll, I'll do a bit of Tetris. Um, I think, because if you play something to death, like, I have done this with Skyrim and The Sims. Uh, you just play it to death and you're like, I cannot, I cannot do this anymore. I'm so, I, I'm done. But I've never had that feeling with Tetris. I could just play it forever. You know, you'll just be in your old people's home one day, still playing Tetris. Hmm, if I didn't have to sleep or use the <laughs> toilet or eat, I would never move I'd just keep doing it. you just keep getting those blocks in place. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be the same game. <laughs> For days. <laughs> the other thing that I always find about Tetris also is you, you learn from your mistakes, but you also don't. Mm-hmm. You learn, oh, I shouldn't have put... You can't use the L's because it locks off too many areas that we're paying later. You learn that. 
And then five minutes later, when the block's coming faster, you have completely given up on that lesson and you will yeah. try something that you know won't work. Just panic, put it across and like block off. You've got the perfect thing and then you've got like blocked off eight rows and you're like, well, now I guess we're uh, battling in the sky on this one. <laughs> <laughs> what game do you want to see a film or TV show of? Or what TV or movie, what, what, what TV show or film would you like to play the game of that hasn't happened yet? Oh, you know, I was having this conversation the other day and I genuinely called my boyfriend up because I was like, what were we talking about? Which one was it? (laughs) (laughs) We discussed this and I cannot for the life of me remember what it is. So I will, I mean, I'll I'll text you and let you know when I do remember. Uh, It should be eventually. Um, So yeah, I can't, I can't really think. I think, because I think if you made something like Skyrim, that would be, uh, it could be anything, and it would just be like a generic fantasy uh, film, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be, um, I'd, I probably wouldn't watch that film, if I'm being honest. You'd like to see them make it, but you don't actually want to watch it yourself. You just mm-hmm. want more people to, you just want Skyrim out there in more forms. But you yes. don't want to watch it, you've already done it. It won't be your version of Skyrim. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think GTA, that would be a good one, wouldn't it? Uh, just many avenues of violence and uh, uh, craziness. I think that would make a, a good sort of, I don't know, Fast and Furious gangster type movie. Uh, but again, that's already been done, hasn't it? I think there's lots of them. There's lots of films that sort of have taken their cues from games. Like Drive, I think, is believe, basically the people who made the film Drive of Ryan Gosling. Um, mm. There's there's like four Ryans. You'll get the right one. Um, Ryan got like that one is kind of got GTA vibes to it, but it's not a direct mm. adaptation. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised about GTA because there's, there's definitely franchise potential in it, and you could yeah. do it as a kind of. I think if they did it as a TV show, it could run and run like a sort of a crazy soap yeah you know it's a crazy kind of crime gangster kind of cartoony big almost soap drama because of the you know scale of the nonsense that goes on in gta but also yeah you've got a whole world you've got lots of worlds to play with yeah it could be like um, the wire yes <laughs> each yeah. series did it being a different part of the gta system yeah that'd work also oh, i was just thinking i watched um a film the other night we kind of went on a Ryan Reynolds-a-thon uh, by accident it's called Turbo and it's about a, a snail that gets special powers and decides to race in the Indy 500 um, and I think that would be a good game snail racing for kids There's not, uh, the, the, the snails are an underrepresented cartoon character they are and I would watch that I, I would play that, I did watch that and I would play that <laughs> Catherine Mather, you've been really lovely and are, I'm sure, going to continue being a lovely person. So thank you so much for joining us at the Apocalypse Arcade. But when the world, when the world ended and mm. eventually, yeah, event, uh, and eventually the society that sort of rebuilds humanity many, many years from now, in the, in the rubble of um, the flat in, is it in, in North London? <laughs> I was going to say, do you live in Kilburn? No, let's not be specific. Where, let's, not, let's, not get, <laughs> no. let's not give out Catherine's per, per postcode. But in the flat in North London where you, where, where you and your games, you and Skyrim, because you survived the, the, you survived the apocalypse, mm-hmm. you went and finally got yourself a Skyrim VR and just mm-hmm. stayed there forever. But yes. um, they eventually found your, like the remains of your flat and they're going to find one game that you have 
are going to leave to the apocalypse arcade to prosperity to be found forever to be found for the future of societies and civilizations oh. to have and use what game are you going to leave for the for the apocalypse arcade oh because there's a few that i would choose certainly not the sims um, <laughs> the sims <laughs> would just be a terrible prank and be like yeah. this is what society once looked like no it didn't <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no wonder they no, no wonder that no wonder the uh the, the old human race died they couldn't get out of swimming pools without ladders <laughs> <laughs> you just type mother in and you're set for life um I, you know what, I reckon fucking go for Skyrim. Yeah? Yeah, I'd go for that one. Because then, you know, they can see the old world. I mean, granted we didn't have dragons, but um, it, it's fun and it's a good bit of uh, escapism if your life is the hell that is the apocalypse. And it probably will be in the whatever, whatever <laughs> world we end up in. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, thank you so much for joining us in the Apocalypse Arcade, uh, Catherine. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah. You can find Catherine on Twitter, Kath Math Comedy at Twitter, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. anywhere else you want people to find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram. That's Kath uh, Math Com because Kath Math Comedy had been taken. That's rude. Uh, it is yeah. rude, isn't it? I have a website. You're a future superstar. They can't be taking your name off you. They can't oh, take exactly. the word comedy off you. Yeah, bastards. Um, <laughs> you can find hi- historical hot or not. Yeah, that's wherever you at, get your podcasts. Yeah, at hot not pod on the socials. Uh, I've got a website, katherinemather.com, which I don't update hard, nearly enough. But that um, does therefore can mean that people can find the archive of your TARDIS building. Yes, yeah, that is on there. Uh, well, oh, I will be going up to Edinburgh. Yeah, and Ed- in, Ed- in Edinburgh you're on at 12.30 in Laughing Hall somewhere with uh, Scream Your Inside Heart Out, is that it? Kind of. Oh, so like. close. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Scream Inside Your Heart. It's scream Inside at- Your Heart, not Scream Your Inside Heart Out. So yes. Catherine Mather is at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe this year with her wonderful show. <laughs> scream Inside Your Heart. Uh, at the Three Sisters Wee Room, uh, 12 noon, 3rd to the 20th of August. Nice. Uh, and it's it's for free, unless you want to book a ticket beforehand to avoid disappointment, and then it will cost you £2.50. And do book for heaven's sakes. Catherine deserves it. She's phenomenal live. You're going to love yeah. it. You're going to love her. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Catherine Mather. You've been an absolute delight. And we will see you, and you will see us again next time we visit the Apocalypse Arcade Zone. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye.